Welcome to the Artificial Intelligence Podcast Series with California Technology Council and Foley and Lardner. Now we turn over to Matt Gardner in our Northern California studios. Hi again, everyone. It's Matt Gardner with the California Technology Council. Welcome to the Artificial Intelligence Podcast Series with Foley and Lardner and CTC. Before we get to the second half of our conversation with Ken DeJarnet, just a reminder about a few news and event items available at the CTC calendar. We have a number of upcoming cybersecurity courses available at californiatechnology.org events. Please check out the available ethical hacking, certified CISO, incident handler and response courses, and more in the calendar. And remember, all CTC members get a discount. Again, that's californiatechnology.org slash events. The calendar for November and December is full, so don't forget to take a look. More on our upcoming podcast series. We'll have episodes soon on our new History of Technology series, more on data centers, operational technology, and of course, additional episodes in this series on artificial intelligence and much more. If you have an idea for an episode or want to get in touch with us, please contact us at podcast at californiatechnology.org. Now, as we turn our attention back to Ken DeJarnet, as a quick recap, last week we heard from Ken about some of the corporate culture and change management decision-making that goes into utilizing the tools of AI and machine learning. Now, let's take a listen to part two of our conversation with Ken DeJarnet. Like you have spent a few years in, in large organizations, and one of the most interesting aspects of the kind of group think that takes over um, you know a management environment is sometimes exactly. so saddled with well we tried that before and it didn't work so we can't try again and that's really tragic when you're dealing with innovative processes uh, yeah and and matt matt i would say that we live in a time where this is really being forced um or brought into perspective because you know, the pandemic has forced so many entities to question how they do business, how they how they deliver products and services, et cetera. And, you know, I just think, you know, of course, the pandemic is terrible. But coming out of this will probably be incredible gains because people are – we're in an environment where you're forced to think a little different. Yeah, agreed. Uh, I do wonder too, Ken, if we're able to see yet uh, who's been, you know, good or successful at this. And I, uh, I want to couch this in a different context. I, I personally did a, a big data and healthcare startup that was an attempt to take prior patient outcomes and help a physician and a patient think through what their options were in their decision making process. So the decision tree itself and in healthcare, our biggest problem was not having any understanding at all of who would pay for that kind of decision support. And so it didn't work in a very short window of time. And, and you know, obviously we see uh, decision uh, support mechanisms coming into play in lots of industries now. But what, what, are, the, what are the early signals of success in putting AI to work is it easier to find success in 
applications of this kind of uh, analysis in B2B solutions or just in internal processes? Are there consumer applications that it's it's working? You mentioned fintech earlier. Is this financial services a an example of of this work? And I uh, the concern that I have is that we've learned how to find related videos on Netflix, but it hasn't gotten much further than that in the consumer sense. <laughs> Um, you know, I would say it's all of the above. I mean, I think it's there's places uh, across the spectrum where you can actually find, um, you know, success. Okay, and um, um, it, you know, there's a lot of you know, if you think about like uh, fintech um, or uh, regtech or some of those things, you know. Um, it's pretty straightforward to see where some of the things, especially if you think about, you know, RPA, um, where one, like, for instance, on the regulatory front, can do a host of things that, you know, took a small army to do, and given the fact of regulatory fatigue, uh, just makes, you know, obvious um, sense. Um, but at the same time, you know, there are other areas, too, that are, um, you know, where you can um, see this kind of thing happening. And you can see it if you think about healthcare and probably, and I'm not going to mention any names of companies or anything like that, but even just things where, um, you know, uh, various applications, et cetera, that um, nudge you to do something that is good, you know, be it in terms of diet or be it in terms of your health. Um, you know, if you were, uh, and I don't have the most current Apple Watch. Um, I said I wasn't going to mention a company, but, you know, just thinking about them, but even just thinking about what they're advertising these days and the use of certain data, one might not say it's AI or any of those things, but just using that data having it in front of you constantly, um, nudging you to change your behavior. Um, you know, these are all the examples of what may not be big data, but access to data that is readily available to each individual. Now, the other side of it might be in a company, if you were to think about, um, and it's not uh, things like, um, RPA, but it could be, um, uh, you know, what in, in the uh, security or the cyber business, one talks about things like, you know, insider threats and um, being able to um, look at behavior that's out there. And again, you know, it can either be very intrusive and, you know, shut somebody down who's doing something, you know, that's uh, downloading something or uh, phishing attacks or, or uh, stealing IP or whatever um, through to um, being, you know, um, when people are doing something that, you know, might expose the company to sitting there and saying, you know, hi, uh, have you ever thought about doing it uh, differently or that this might, you know, cause a problem or whatever. But all of those things are kind of examples of how we can use, um, you know, access to data, big data, et cetera, um, to begin to try to um, 
um, increase productivity or lessen a threat. Um, you also see it in things like, um, you know, most companies today and a lot of individuals have a some form of a decision framework that they use, you know, some kind of a decision tree. You know, a lot of those things are, um, you know, easily um, automated. Um, I, I think, you know, when you look back to some of this stuff, though, um, and for a lot of companies, you know, what's important is that, you know, you do understand, uh, you know, the what you're doing, that the quality of the data is correct, the, it's suitable, you know, it's objective, that the amount of data you have is large enough to, uh, you know, make certain, um, to help you make certain uh, decisions, and that it's, you know, um, also it's explainable. I mean, just, and especially on, I think, the, um, in a lot of applications, you know, whether people are going to believe in it, whether it's going to be trustworthy is related to its, you know, how easy it is to, in a sense, explain. Um, but I think there's a myriad of various things that, you know, aren't um, at the level of, you know, where the machine, you know, sits there and says, you know, that's cancer and nobody looks at it, right? Or this person is, uh, you know, going to be, you know, X, Y, or Z. I mean, there's a lot of things today that are much more straightforward where the technology that we have today can be exploited um, for the betterment of both uh, you know, companies and society and for the increase of productivity. So can we talk to you about a little bit, Ken, about the limitations of this? Are there, right. are there places that we shouldn't allow these technology tools to be used or, or where we should put a governor on them for, for when and how they're used? And, I guess there's a different level of, of societal risk or, or risk to the public trust when one level of that application is, you know, choosing your next video by machine is not a huge risk, whereas the decision the physician is going to make does have a, a very broad risk inherent in it. So are there places where it's um, – where there needs to be wisdom involved and and human discernment and and what are the limitations like? Yeah. So, and like all technology, and of course this is a gross generalization, uh, but it's it's so easy and we're typically get out over our skis. Um, and you see it today in a host of fields. You see it in, you know, some of the bioethics, um, you know. Um, but I really do think you, as you go into this, especially as we get more sophisticated, you have to have an ethical framework under which to think about this. And you need to... Um, you know, design 
what you're going to do with, uh, with this or how you're going to use things with that framework in mind. It's kind of like there used to be a, um, the concept in privacy, it still is, of you know, privacy by design. And the same thing applies here, is the sense that we, you have to have some kind of a framework. And, and the reality is there are, there are frameworks that um, exist out there, um, and you know, one should take advantage of some of this stuff. Because I do think uh, there is the potential to do harm, okay, or to uh, make a mistake or, you know, be faulty in the decision making. And so it's pretty important to, uh, you know, to think about this. Now, it's interesting because there are various ones uh, that are out there. And um, um, you can even, uh, you know, like there was, I read, uh, Deloitte provides me with a uh, periodical, it's called Deloitte Research, and there was a great article in there um, several months ago that had to do about, you know, making certain that there were, um, you know, certain uh, values, human values that were in the design um, of AI. And they really focused on various areas. They were things like, um, you know, impact and uh, justice and autonomy. And I think some people might think, you know, business people were out there going, you know, what does justice have to do with this? Okay. Um, uh, but, you know, when you look at some of this thing of making certain that, you know, you are, um, for instance, if you're a, uh, in the consumer business or you're in healthcare, uh, it's pretty important, okay, that you're treating people, you know, fairly. And, uh, and you need to make certain that if you're doing something, you know, where your decisioning is uh, being driven through algorithms, okay, that uh, you, are, uh, you understand those, you understand the, um, the nature of them, and, you know, whether or not they're, um, you know, promoting, uh, for instance, like an, equ an equitable outcome. Um, or if you took autonomy, you know, I don't, I, for instance, I think most people could agree that if you had an HR system and you were using deep learning and if it popped up and said, fire Bob, okay, that you're not just going to go fire Bob, you know, um, that there is some uh, degree of, um, you know, of human um, interaction that goes on to understand, you know, the decisions that we're uh, arriving at and that allow people to, um, you know, interject and you see that today in some of the legislation that's out there also um, if you look at some of the uh, privacy laws etc you know that sit there and say you know a, a computer cannot make a you know cannot make the final decision so to speak um, but all this you know comes down to making certain that you really have thought about you know the um, you know, and I come, I keep coming back to this, but the 
you know, for instance, like the quality of the data. Is this data good? Okay. I mean, you know, you don't want to be making decisions based upon bad data. You know, is there enough of the data? You know, is it suitable? Um, you and I, there's a whole bunch of things, you know, I mean, of, of attributes. But, um, you know, uh, for the listeners, I live in a an area where we've had extreme fires, okay? And um, today, one of the things that's happening is that, you know, they're having to, um, you know, shut off power in various areas because of the danger that the power lines. Well, you know, you have to be careful about what's the decisioning that you're making around that and that, you know, uh, you're not making it, you know, you could, you know, and they don't, I'm not saying anybody does this at the moment, but for instance, if you made the decision based upon, say, the value of property, just purely on the value of property within, you know, a five-mile radius of that line, and, you know, all of a sudden, you know, it was making a decision based upon, a, just a very wealthy community to the detriment of a community that was less wealthy just because of property value, well, that's kind of a faulty, you know, um, um, algorithm. And so having actually a framework to think about, you know, how you're making, how you're using the data, because the the, the most important thing in many ways is um, you don't want to embed something that is um, systematically, in a sense, prejudiced. And by prejudiced, I mean that in the fullest sense of the word, you know, that is, is biased in a fashion that is, or based upon uh, assumptions that are going to get you to a bad or wrong uh, decision. And the only way you do that, in my mind, is to make certain you have, you're, you're working with some type of framework that allows you to ask the right questions as you uh, proceed down the path of of, you know, developing um, a particular, you know, application. And that's just so important. Um, not enough people ask or think about what is the uh, bias that's inherent, what are the assumptions that we're making. And assumptions aren't bad. I mean, it's just a question of, we understand what those things are. And you need to do that within a, um, within a framework to make certain that um, you're getting the most, okay, from what you're, you're trying to do. Hi, everyone. It's Matt again. Just a quick word about CTC member benefits. You can learn about the entire portfolio of CTC benefits at californiatechnology.org slash member benefits, spelled as all one word. The portfolio includes savings on all kinds of business services and products, the kinds of things that our members use and need every day. 
We pride ourselves on creating member benefits that deliver ROI. And we're proud of the fact that the average small company member can save their dues, typically within three to six months of joining. Again, for more information, check out californiatechnology.org slash member benefits. If you have an idea for a member benefit or you'd like to learn more, email us at join at californiatechnology.org. Again, that's join at californiatechnology.org. Hi, this is George Nachetti of Morgan Stanley Wealth Management, and you're listening to the Artificial Intelligence Podcast with the California Technology Council. We're the exclusive provider of retirement plans to CTC members. Whether you're looking for support in the heavily regulated area of retirement plan management, or looking to add an employee plan for the first time, or perhaps looking for options for solo practitioners, like our solo 401k plans, we are proud to serve CTC members. For more information, visit www.californiatechnology.org slash member benefits. Now let's get back to our conversation with Ken DeJarnet. These things are replete a lot of times with, you know, false um, positives. And uh, go back to the insider threat example we were using. Um, you know, something might be perfectly explainable, but the algorithm sits there and says, you know, this is a problem, okay? Well, you don't, you want to make certain that you're looking at it and, and, and saying, okay, does this make sense or not, okay, before simply acting. And to do these things, I think it takes a framework, and you certainly don't want to be doing that as you're just looking at the output. You want to be doing this or applying a framework um, from the beginning to end. And I have seen where this, um, you know, can lead to interesting uh, repercussions that people never thought about. So this may be an unfair question, Ken, but I, I wonder, uh, too, is it possible to simplify what the goal is? Is it faster decision-making? Is it greater volume in decisions? Is it uh, reducing costs? Is it uh, better outcomes? Or is the real answer, it depends? Yeah. You know, uh, I won't use the word uh, Depends. I'll say it's contextual. You know, there was a great book done quite a while ago, and I can't quite remember uh, the book, but it was about innovation. And it was about the different types of uh, innovation and that people begin to get too fixated on uh, that, you know, innovation is just about, you know, for a business, a new widget. Okay, as opposed to thinking about, you know, innovation can occur at a host of different places. You know, it could be about, you know, being able to develop the same widget faster. It could be about a new way to price the widget. It could be, you know, a host of things. Um, And the reality is that the same is true here. And I think one has to look at, you know, what are the various, um, 
you know, uh, you know, things that a company is doing and uh, sit there and uh, say, could we do this uh, better or differently? And do some of these techniques apply? And again, you know, I come back to things like just RPA, which is, you know, is actually rather simple. Uh, even somebody that's older like myself could probably do basic, you know, RPA things. Um, and, you know, so that's an, an area that's just is pretty um, straightforward. Whereas some of these other things, you know, it's much more, uh, um, takes much more effort. But they all could be to make, uh, to add to productivity. They might be to increase the um, uh, targeting, for instance, for your products or your services. Um, they might be to, um, you know, increase the value, think about, you know, like um, the company that I'm on the board for Informer is in the old days, you just, um, you know, it was just about um, doing the schedule, you know, allowing public safety to have a schedule, you know, for you're going to work this day and uh, you're going to have these many hours and you're going to take this time off. Today, it's about how do we use the data Okay, to make certain that we have the most efficient and interestingly, back to the ethical uh, considerations, the most fair schedules. Okay, um, and data and having lots of data can help us do those things. But it's, you know, you have to look at each one of these situations and sit there and say, from an application perspective, how can I apply this tool or these tools to make this better? Um, now, what's so interesting about some of this stuff too, and especially as you get into areas of say like deep learning, okay, where it might actually show us things that we never saw, you know, um, and so there's incredible possibility, but there are so many basic things that are just out there that can get done today. And Recovered um, value from data you didn't look at closely, that kind of thing. That's right. I mean, and it's so interesting because people talk about mining data and, um, you know, but there is, I'm just convinced there is so much untapped value Okay, that companies have, um, or that you even as an individual might have, in data. Well, I can um, give you Ken one that's a holy grail in in healthcare, for example, that there are lots of companies pursuing. But so this is not a, I'm not betraying any confidences by just mentioning this because it's widely discussed. It's extremely likely that because we didn't understand the genomics of many diseases for a very long time that we didn't ask the right questions in clinical trials. And so if we did a better job matching disease profiles of individual patients against drugs that didn't pass trials that were too broad, we might actually find treatments that worked. Yeah, no, I mean, and 
you know, that's a great um, example. In my own career, I, you know, I think about when I used to look at risk of, um, you know, doing particular um, engagements and things, I had certain biases and prejudice about, you know, what might cause something to go wrong. And, but when we began to look at it from a larger data set, I found that those things that I had thought were not indicative of an issue, and yet there were things that I should have um, or I just didn't see. And what was so interesting is the data spoke, okay? And that's one of the big things I think is so interesting. Let the data speak um, and be willing to listen. And, um, you know, it's, uh, and you'll learn something, okay? Uh, but this, this thing of, you know, kind of letting the data speak, uh, not necessarily letting the data make the decision, but let it speak and be willing to listen. So, Ken, our last question for you today is, is really about uh, benchmarking uh, organizational transformation. So, for companies that are going through these applications and putting these tools to work, where can they look for, for example, the ethics issue that you've raised a few times and to identify those that are doing that particularly well, those that have built good ethical guardrails that have put the right kinds of systems in place. Are these benchmarks gathered somewhere? Is, the, is there a place for, for companies like that to look? You know, I think they are. Um, uh, and actually, I think it's pretty easy to find uh, today a lot of, um, of writings or of frameworks, et cetera, on various ethical frameworks. In fact, it's really interesting because a lot of the um, academic institutions, for instance, you know, one of the hottest things these days is a, a master's of, um, in analytics. And uh, so many of the institutions actually teach ethics and today they are, there are frameworks and things. And I even just, you know, and of course I'm prejudiced because, um, you know, I loved working uh, for Deloitte, uh, but even just through things like, you know, Deloitte research, you know, um, when we were thinking about some of these things internally and working with them, you know, was making certain that we were uh, looking at a framework and using the framework and there are different frameworks that are out there, and they all pretty much focus around uh, certain common concepts. But the key thing is to, um, you know, to pick something, take something, and use it from the beginning to ask yourself these questions. And I think it's beyond just asking you know, uh, for instance, a lot of people, they, a lot of companies, and this is where a lot of folks have gotten into trouble, I think, is they think about it from a legalistic perspective. They think about, you know, what can I or can't I do based upon um, some regulatory framework, be it, you know, the GDPR or something like that. Um, but I think the question is much broader. I think 
most companies, they need to start off, you know, of course, that's a part of it. But, you know, uh, what should they do or not do with data? And to make certain they understand what that means is to use a, a framework, an ethical framework, to think through those questions um, and to also make certain that those who use the output, those who use the output, understand it, understand its limitations, understand its, um, the, 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 the underlying assumptions so that they can appropriately, you know, um, take advantage of it um, and not do harm. And by harm, you know, harm comes in many fashions. I mean, uh, but I'll say the biggest harm from a company perspective is brand, it's brand, it's reputation. And so you really want to think about this and make certain that how you're using data, okay, you know, as a leader is to make certain that, you know, in the rush to take advantage of this is that you don't end up, you know, harming your reputation um, or your brand, you know, because, um, you did something with the data that you probably shouldn't have done. And so, you know, use a framework. Um, now, you know, certainly, you know, it's not a big deal in a lot of cases around things like, you know, RPA, okay, and a lot of examples of that. But when it gets into things like deep learning where, you know, um, you know, you're uh, potentially relying more and more on uh, something to mimic, you know, uh, certain problem solving and decision making, et cetera, then it's so important that you have an ethical framework and that you teach, you teach people how to use this output. Ken DiGiorno, thank you so much for your time today. It's been a great pleasure speaking with you. Matt, I really appreciate it. Well, thanks again to Ken DiGiorno for this two-part episode on how businesses are putting the tools of AI and machine learning to work. We'll have a few episodes coming up soon on how the CTC Academy is looking at all these issues and, of course, more on the applications of artificial intelligence in businesses and in healthcare. As a reminder, you can subscribe to CTC Podcasts at Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, and SoundCloud. Or if you'd like to get in touch with us directly, you can find us at californiatechnology.org slash contact. Let us know what you'd like to learn more about. If you have an idea for a podcast, email us at podcast at californiatechnology.org. Thanks again, everyone. We'll look forward to the next episode.